Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Level Up Human. The comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the podcast panel show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel and our audience here at Imperial Festival and the natural world to try and work out what the next stage in our human evolution should be. We'll be asking questions like, do we really need two nostrils? I think we could get away with just one and smaller tissues. Perfect. I'm your host, Simon Watson. Today I'm joined by three brains and jars in the form of our guests. On the immediate right, we have pitching ideas. With first start, Emma Robinson. Emma Robinson is a postdoctoral research in computing. Her research focuses on methods for better understanding the structure and the function of the human brain. What do you actually end up doing all day for this? Yeah, I'm working on trying to build really simple models of how the human brain works. And my eventual, eventual goal or interest at the moment is whether if we had better models of human brain, whether we could build better robot brains. When you say simple, you don't mean made of Play-Doh? No, just the idea that uh, at a very coarse level, your brain is just a relatively small number of regions. Each of these regions has a specialised function or a set of function, and uh, higher order functions in the brain are the result of these different regions connect, basically communicating with each other through a connections in a network. That's the basic idea. Okay, it doesn't do much for our self-esteem, but you can see why understanding <laughs> the function and structure of our brain might help us improve our species. On our far right there, we are joined by Andrew Steele. Andrew works at the Francis Crick Institute in London and is a computational biologist. That's right. Um, it sounds that that means you're a biologist who stays indoors an awful lot. It mainly. means that I have never used a pipette. I don't even know what one is. Well, you're trying to use computers to understand our DNA. Um, you're a physicist by background, but now you're focusing on biology. And I know some of your other work, so please, please tell us about Scienceogram, because it's pretty damn amazing. So one of the things I spend a lot of time talking about when I'm not uh, doing science is about how much we spend on science. I think this is a really important issue. And the amount that we spend um, is then able to be compared to the size of the problems that science is trying to solve. So, so to give you my favourite, or maybe least favourite statistic, we, um, about cancer kills about a third of us, and yet we spend just £2.70 per person per year on public-funded cancer research. 
And what's scariest is that cancer is arguably one of the best funded conditions. So I'd really, really like more people to be aware of these statistics and to tell the government we really need to be spending more on scientific research. Does it ever sound dangerously like you're just asking for a pay raise? I mean, this is a risk, it's an unfortunate problem, but I actually came to this not as a scientist, like, trying to get more money if I wanted to do that. I'm a physicist, I'd go into the city and work for a bank, so this is a very roundabout way of making myself more money. Well, I think it's an awesome initiative, and where can people find you? So, on Twitter, at Scienceagram, or you can visit us on the web at Scienceagram.org. Well, it's a good initiative, isn't it? So you can see why these people are perfect for trying to develop our species further, but judging their ideas and seeing which one, because we can only take one forward every episode, which one is worthwhile representing humankind. On my left, we have an amazing comedian and musician, well, ukuleleist, Helen Arney. Helen, what kind of things are you hoping to, to hear from our panel? Well, obviously we're looking for things that will change the human race for the better, but uh, if there's one thing I know about biology and coming from a physicist's background, that's very little. Uh, If there's one thing I know about biology, it's that uh, evolution is fundamentally selfish. Right? Mm. It's about that species, or on a microcosmic level, that actual thing, that body, that that organism trying to survive to the next generation. Uh, So I want things that will benefit humankind but more specifically really really benefit me just me my actual problems that i have perfect well why not um, also helen of course you're part of a, a, a comedy trip festival of spoken nerd you've got tours and things anything you want to tell us about we uh, have a radio show on uh Ooh. Ooh. Um, like this but less yeah. technologically advanced i'd like to say <laughs> It's, it's like a podcast that only appears for 28 days on the BBC iPlayer. Um, so it's called Domestic Science. It's going out on Radio 4 uh, all the way through July. Uh, and we ask you to sit at home for 15 minutes listening to a comedy show that will make you do some science using the things around you, like mugs and uh, light bulbs and polyester nightdresses. Well, check it out. You heard it first. Uh, this is going to be a good radio show. It's kind of a bit like this, I suppose, except with a budget and dignity. <laughs> So, perfect. Well, you've heard this is our panel. Now they're going to give you uh, some news stories. Because before we try and look to the future, we want to see what kind of thing is happening here and now. Each of our panel have brought along a news story. So, starting with... uh, Why don't we kick off with you, Andrew? What do you think? What's caught your eye? Well, my science news story, I think, might be the most exciting story of this year. And it's possibly the most exciting story of the decade. Because the reason I switched from physics into biology is that I'm really fascinated and concerned by the ageing process. So this story is of interest to anyone who's ageing. I think that's probably... Everybody's ageing, <laughs> Well, I've got a mate, Dave. He's a biologically immortal jellyfish. He's not ageing. But I'd like to take a leaf out of his book for the rest of us. Okay, it should, and yeah. Okay, tell us more. The way in which this works, there are some scientists. And what we, so to give you a bit of background before we start... Um, we think that ageing is a sort of gradual accumulation of various different kinds of cellular and molecular garbage that you pick up as you go through your life. And what we'd like as scientists to do is identify that damage and find ways to clear it up. And hopefully that will make us less susceptible to all these diseases we get when we get older. So cancer, stroke, heart disease, these primarily afflict older people. And so really, although this might extend life, the thing we're really concerned about is those diseases. Now, one particular kind of cellular garbage is something called senescent cells. And these are cells, they're quite old, they've been kicking around in your body, they've accumulated some of this damage, and that means that they stop reproducing, they stop dividing. And most cells that are in that situation, they do the honourable thing, they fall on their sword, they commit cellular suicide, and they make space for lovely young fresh cells to take their place. 
But these senescent ones, they hang around, and they don't just hang around, they do so whilst not fulfilling the function they're supposed to be doing in the organ that they're found in. And they also secrete nasty chemicals, which make us more likely to get these age-related diseases. So for a long time, we've wondered, if we clear up these senescent cells, will that help? Will that clear up these diseases? Will that slow down the aging process? And the answer from this study earlier this year is yes. They got some mice, they deleted the senescent cells with the drug, they started giving them this drug in middle age, which for mice is like one or two years. These senescent cells vanished, and the mice lived 25% longer. That's great. They also didn't get cancer as early. They had less cataracts. Their heart function was better. They were even more curious. So young mice love to wander around mazes and find out about their environment. Older mice less so. The mice that had had their senescent cells removed, they were much, much more curious, much like a younger mouse. So it just seems like this is one way that we can reverse the aging process and all the diseases that come with it. Maybe I'm missing something here, but okay, it seems that removing the cells is a good idea. What's the mechanism? How do we actually do this? So, there are various different ways we could try and do it. Um, and I think the most promising at the moment is actually just using regular drugs. You could just do it with a pill. Regular drugs. Regular. <laughs> it's a funny phrase, that one, isn't it, actually? But none of this you know, crazy, advanced immunotherapy, anything like that. We can just have a pill. And the reason we think that is that um, we've been developing a class of drugs, or and we sort of d in invented a class of drugs called senolytics, which just means they kill these senescent cells. And actually, there are a few human drugs that are already uh, licensed for use in humans, cancer drugs, that do preferentially kill these cells. And they gave a combination of these drugs to so actually a different mouse experiment. They gave two of these drugs at once, and that killed off these senescent cells and gave rise to some of these health benefits. So, yeah, just popping a pill, potentially. That is fantastic. OK, uh, what about you, Emma? What's caught your eyes? What's been the news? So, the news story that that's caught my attention most recently is that there is a group of researchers in, in Berkeley, California, that have been able to map the dictionary onto the brain, which means that they put people in a brain scanner listening to podcasts for two hours and then saw where all those different words were mapping to on the brain. And using that, they were able to find groups of words. So they were able to find, for example, that apparently marriage and kids is associated with jail. <laughs> And this is tied in with some other research that they did a few years ago, which is where they were actually able to identify uh, pictures, so what things were th what people were picturing in their brain. And that was used in an episode of House, which was trying to right, literally mind read people. Are, are you actually genuinely citing the house in scientific no, literature now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well... If you, Laurie, says it, it's true. Is that how it works? Well, so, that, so House was literally reporting real science that was actually happening, that they are able to l literally know what people are thinking about if you put them in an fMRI scanner. And so now you can think about what they're picturing, I suppose, and also, therefore, what they think about when they're picturing it. So this is proper mind-reading territory. So, Helen, you must find this very interesting, because this means that we may well find a way of mapping puns. Ooh. If there's going to be these word associations and things, I mean, we might be able to get rid of comedians altogether. And just I think replace. so. All we would need is enough money to put every single member of the audience in an fMRI scanner uh, and then just work out exactly what will make them laugh before, before they open their mouths. Is anybody willing out of interest? <laughs> it would be a really weird comedy club. Yeah. Give it that. <laughs> It would have no atmosphere. It would just be like a dull hum. It would uh, just be like a series of words for two hours. Yeah. And then when you found the right combination, the right bit of the brain lights yeah. up. <laughs> just, yeah. If it's funny, I mean, it's funny. I guess that's basically what this is. 
<laughs> Actually, I do have to admit, whenever you said they were playing the podcast, I was wondering, how can we get involved with that research? It'd be so amazingly meta for people to be in this machine listening to researchers talking about their machine. I would love that. I think more worryingly, what they, I think they're starting to use it. Marketing companies are getting involved. So they can put you in the scanner and basically start detecting subconsciously what you want. Oh. I don't know what I want consciously. That sounds useful, actually. So Anybody's ever gone to a career guidance counsellor probably needs something like that. But they also, so that if, for example, I keep saying, oh, I don't like cake, I don't want cake. You know, I, I really, I just don't like cake. And it, they could tell that I genuinely like cake. They could just put images of cake everywhere in my, on my computer, on my phone, just keep coming all the time until I just give up and start eating cake. Um, speaking <laughs> of these kind of image searches and things, and I have to address this for the people at home who cannot see, Emma, can you please tell us, why are you dressed like a unicorn? I'm dressed like a unicorn to try and confuse an artificial brain. Tell us more. That, that's, <laughs> that needs further explanation. So uh, we're looking at comparing AI to the human brain because um, uh, there has been an explosion of AI at the moment. It's really impressive. So you've got artificial brains that are able to um, beat the world Go, Go champion, at, like one of the most difficult board games that we've ever seen. You've got Google's self-driving cars. So that means the car can see its own environment. You've got Facebook being able to identify who is in a photo that you've uploaded. So these things are really amazing, and they're actually just literally built from trying to model how the human visual system works. I mean, that was how they were designed, and, and the more in which they evolve, they are teaching themselves to be more like the human visual system. But, you know, before everyone starts to panic and worry about the robots taking over, if you put a person dressed as a unicorn in front of it, holding a toy bus, it kind of goes, I don't know. <laughs> to further illustrate for our audience here, would you mind putting your hood up and showing us your horn and everything? <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, that is true commitment to research right there. So I don't know, if, if I you don't were know what Sarah the Connor and the Terminator came after you, is that how you would dress? You just evade detection completely? <laughs> I don't know about robots, but I'm definitely saying, I don't know. <laughs> so That's a fair point. What, can what the have you done with that? Where's she gone? <laughs> yeah. My little AI. I like the idea. <laughs> what about you, Helen? Has anything caught your eye in the news? There's a news story this week that uh, a baby in China has been born with 31 fingers and toes, which is, I understand, more than the normal allocation of 20. Um, and it, it, the reason it's so interesting is I've just dashed over from the other side of Imperial Festival where I've been doing a talk with my sister who's written a brilliant book called Herding Hemingway's Cats, which is about... Uh, genetics and especially about um, things like polydactyl cats and it's it's weird that sometimes it's not always true but it's the same weird genetic quirk in one of the control switches in your dna that yes. that um gives cats six toes instead of five and it, it's not always but sometimes that's the same thing that's gone wrong in humans and it's basically a bit of your dna that goes make like uh, it's making toes and it just doesn't know when to stop it just doesn't know when to stop making toes. You're right, this is ultimately very useful for evolution. Like, we would not have any snakes if they just hadn't got a bit carried away on the backbone. Really? Yeah, that's pretty much a thing which has been duplicating and duplicating. That's how they got to be so long. Whoa! They, they've got those genes switched on to keep making, make a middle, make more of a middle, make more of a middle, make more of a middle. Uh, well, and, but if, if it had been a different gene, it would have had like eight heads. It would be like, what, what if it had been a different bit that had gone wrong and it had gone, make a head, make a head, make a head? 
You just said you'd have the Medusa in, in real life. It would probably be unsust- unsustainable, to be honest. Well, I, I you guess do get two-headed. You do get two-headed snakes, right? Sometimes. Oh, you're joking. So it ha- does happen By with mistake, heads. though, isn't that right? It's not like a deliberate thing. It's <laughs> not like a, an artistic choice or fashion statement. But that's evolution. Surely evolution's not an artistic choice. It just, it just happens. Yeah, but if, if it works, I guess, that's the thing. Yeah. So evolution is getting variety and then selection. So and this is very interesting. Like the, the, this polydactyl human, it kind of, we can't see any use for extra things and toes. But um, there's a wonderful bit in my sister's book where there's an idea about um, uh, why polydactyl cats have thrived up the eastern seaboard of the US. And one of the reasons might be that uh, with six fingers, six cat toes, um, they're better at holding on to boats. So these are, <laughs> there's this whole load of these polydactyl cats that are really common on boats. They're the ship's cats, quite often had six fingers. And that just means in a storm, they're like, and they can hold on a lot, a lot the better. The but great the, thing about this, we, we need a test, so we need to get <laughs> lots of cats and throw them at the HMS Belfast or yeah. something. See what, see what happens. The, the, although that, that is, I think, a bit of a spurious theory because I think it's also that, um, as Kat, Kat thinks, that actually it's because sailors are incredibly superstitious. So if you yeah. had a choice between a, a normal cat and a weird cat, you would go for the weird cat every time because that's more, more lucky in every possible way. By audience vote, who would like a weird cat? Yeah. <laughs> I love the optimism we have in the room. Perfect. <laughs> Well, those are the news stories. That's what is happening right now. So let's take this forward into the realms of the future. Our, our panel here, our two scientists, are going to suggest to Helen what they think should be incorporated into the next human. Let's start with you, Emma. What do you want to see in Human 2.0? So um, being a computer scientist, I thought I would just bypass evolution and go straight to com- com- computers, uh, computer add-ons. So um, what I would like to see, again, as a computer scientist with... Uh, uh, working with people who uh, struggle to understand social cues is a Google Glass interpretation of the social world so that it can tell you, you know, what's going on. I think this would be really useful for my boyfriend. So when I say, does my bum look big in this? He doesn't say yes. And, um, That's or a... do I look silly dressed as a unicorn trying to convey serious science? Did you actually ask him, does your bum look big in a unicorn? Did he measure you in hands? Yeah, probably. Tell me more. So I think this could be really useful. So you've already got... um, So Microsoft have already created glasses to interpret the visual world for the blind. So these can already say, I can see a person in a park throwing a frisbee. But um, what you would like is for these glasses... I mean, when it comes to uh, interpreting social cues, the problem is, is that they're much more subjective. So how you would you teach a computer to do it? Um, I think you should probably just use women. That would probably be more useful. <laughs> and then you can give these to guys, and then they would they would say the right thing. So we basically every guy, as you're suggesting here, needs a best mate who will tell them start acting like a human. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Just some little Google glasses that just flash up like with a warning sign when they're about to say something that's going to go down really badly. I'm really not sure about this. I don't know if you <laughs> saw the film Ex Machina but the female AI in that is creepy as hell. And she's so manipulative. And I mean, that's the dark side. Magnificently manipulative. As an aside then, because I'm worried, because these kind of... uh, Being suave and being charming, great as it is, like, what if... 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What if people were going to use charm for evil? I have tried to use charm for evil a many times, that's a confession, but you know... <laughs> Well, this is the thing. I think you've you've absolutely hit on something here that it would be amazing to have uh, social cues read out to you straight into your brain, so you don't have to interpret what's going on uh, in the world around you. You're you're. There's two dark sides. There's one, who's got the technology, and that's it. I want me to have the technology and no one else so that I can read social cues and I can, I can get the best out of this situation. Um, because if I'm trying to manipulate someone else, I don't want them to know what I'm doing. If you both had one, you could have a manipulate off and see who's got the better... Better trained. Oh. I, I love how this is signed to manipulation, actually, as well, because originally what you were suggesting was just to help us get socially by, because, let's face it, there's lots of people with various types of conditions, which means that social stuff is a struggle. And the real question here, like, there's a wonderful Glaswegian psychologist and scientist called R.D. Lang who thought we are wrong to try and make people who are not fitted for the same social world as most people are try and fit with it. We should try and accommodate them as well. So like, this, the whole world is mad, perhaps. So this kind of thing, this research is already going on. So I have a colleague who's working or is pioneering a project called Engage Me that's trying to build um, humanoid robots that can um, judge the amount of attention that twist, autistic children are playing, so that, uh, paying to it, so that you can use it for educational, as an educational aid to help them learn to interact with the rest of society. So I think this is on the horizon. These kind of things might be available. Well, I can, I can see there's a benefit to that, but is that also, is it not something deeply depressing that we want everybody to conform effectively? Like, should we not accept perhaps people who are autistic in this way for who they are? I don't think it's about not accepting them. I think it's about helping them integrate and so that they feel more comfortable because obviously they will panic in a social situation if they had an aid that would help them, help just make them feel better then perhaps that would be a good thing. I guess you're right. That's one of the things that makes humans incredible is we are a social creature, aren't we? So we have a social environment as well as an ecological one and an environmental one. These are fascinating ethical questions here, Helen. What do you reckon? Are you going to take this forward? Does this go on the shortlist? 
It's a tough one. I mean, uh, I think it would be an incredible piece of technology uh, for many people, but actually what would benefit me personally the most, uh, as well as the human race, is actually what you said, Simon. Uh, why don't you have a reverse version that just means that all social cues are completely deleted uh, and everyone has to be totally upfront all the time about what they mean. So in fact, uh, I want a reverse version of this so that subtlety goes out the window and everyone says exactly what they mean all the time to everyone. Okay, again, uh, though, as a comedian, does that not ruin your career? <laughs> you, you can't do a pullback and reveal in that circumstance. But if it's for the greater good of the future of the human race, I'm prepared to relinquish my career. Okay, the, I mean, so far you've relinquished your career to computers and MRI scanners, so you're basically writing yourself off I am, as fast as possible. I will be dressed as a unicorn when the apocalypse <laughs> happens, and I'm pretty sure I can get round it that way. Uh, I, I do like this one. I, w I, want the, uh, I want the reverse technology to be available as well. So uh, Helen's making a mod. Do you accept that, Emma? Yes. Okay. All right, Andrew, try and beat that. That one's on the, uh, the short list. What's your suggestion? What I want for Human 2.0 is complete control of my immune system. And that gives you a huge range of superpowers. And obviously the thing I'm most worried about is ageing, as you probably picked up from the last two things I've been talking about. But... So you could use it, for example, you could send it after those senescent cells if the drugs don't work. Then we could send it to try and find these kinds of cells in your body and we could use it to eradicate them. We've already got cancer immunotherapies where we set your immune cells on your tumour and those things are only going to get better and better. And the great thing about this kind of uh, technology is that the immune system will seek out that tumour wherever it's gone in your body and potentially put you into remission or completely cure your cancer. So it's a really promising thing. Now, I was really sort of psyched about all this ageing stuff and how we could potentially reverse it and make everyone healthier. My girlfriend then asked me, what are the cosmetic implications? And so we thought, well, what you could do is you could set your immune cells to target hair follicles in place. You don't want hair to be growing. And then sort of we went through the pros and cons. The problem is that the way your immune system works, it often uses inflammation as a mechanism to destroy things. So your face might swell up quite a lot. And I don't want to give the impression that my girlfriend's some kind of airhead, cosmetic-obsessed person. Well, you can't say that because she's sitting in the front row. That Sorry. certainly influences the choice of words here, yeah. But she's actually a medic, and so she's got probably more knowledge about this stuff than I do. She's, you know, uh, all kinds of chronic inflammation. But she just looked at me and she said, well, once the inflammation goes down, you'll look great. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do also love the fact that you've taken this wonderful immuno idea and tried to create... I don't know, a genetic Brazilian, basically, to remove hair. Yeah, and so the other thing that she wanted, she's Asian, um, for the viewers at home, and she's got brown eyes as a result of that, basically. And she thought, well, I've always wanted to have blue eyes. So what you can do is set your immune cells on the melanocytes, which are the cells that generate the pigment in your eyes, the melanin that makes them brown, and you could turn them blue at will. Helen, I have to ask here, because he started off with something that was wonderful and turned it into cosmetic surgery. <laughs> yeah, this has gone like a whole level of creepy that I was not expecting uh, Andrew to, to turn down them. Wow, I mean, seriously. I just think, you know, we've got to sell this stuff, because maybe the ageing angle people are a bit creeped out by. Yeah, because the, the not ageing and not dying is not quite good enough, well, it's, really. Yeah, maybe not, for some people. You'd rather leave a pretty corpse. <laughs> Come on, defend yourself then. I think the point is that immune cells can do a lot more than we typically give them credit for, because we sort of think of them as the guard dogs of the body. We think of them, you know, when the evil viruses or pathogens, they come in, they give you diseases, they can fight those things off. But actually the immune system has a lot of control over how your body works. 
And what I want is not just a guard dog that can fight off incoming diseases, but something that can reupholster the sofa that he's ruined. <laughs> so, like, a really, really well-trained dog was the, my ideal picture for the immune system. I like the idea of the training you're saying, because we have to bear in mind that immune cells also attack our cells, don't they? That's the basis of most... Um, allergies and things. Yeah, allergies and autoimmune diseases. If we could teach our immune system to sit and stay, I think that'd be really, really good for a whole class of diseases. Wow. So you're turning your immune system into a cross between a sort of fighting bulldog and a Crufts winner simultaneously. And jump through all the hoops and remove yeah. my melanocytes and get rid of all my and, senescent uh, cells. It's going to be an amazing blue-eyed, ageless future. And do its own blow-drying for the final uh, <laughs> as well. Um, I, do you know what? That's, that's literally... I've never even thought of that as a, a as a thing that your immune system can do so I mean why, why is it not already happening that's the only thing I would I would say why well. have we as uh, scientists not found a way to manipulate our immune systems it's like that really, already. Why really does this, why does this have to be evolutionary? Why, do you, why are you leaving it to, to, uh, yeah, to why ourselves? Why are we all hairy and inflamed looking still? <laughs> For those people who can't see us at home we're hideous <laughs> Except the unicorn. <laughs> I think it's, it's just that it's incredibly, incredibly complicated. If you, t if you, for example, turn up the immune system, that's a really dangerous thing to do, because although it might help eradicate the cancer, although it might um, go after a disease that's infecting you, it also does have the potential to go after your own cells and cause horrible inflammation and take out things that you actually need that are actually useful. So the key is being able to control it really precisely so it does w exactly what you want and nothing else. Yeah. Okay, Helen, is this on the short list then? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take it because I think evolution will winnow out the bits that go horribly wrong uh, and will leave us with a much smaller human race, but it will be one that can control our immune system. So we all become beautiful and hairless, just like Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, audience, you're in for a tough time because Helen has accepted both of our panel suggestions, but I think you can do better. The people here at Imperial Festival have given us their suggestions. Uh, they've been writing them down, actually. Has anybody seen anything that grabbed them? This one says it would be great if you could connect our mind to music software to create music in real time based on thoughts. Ooh. So, yeah, I'm not a musician, but I would really like if I could have a computer brain in interface that could just tell what I'm... or, or get, has all the information that I have in my brain and will write my papers for me without me having to do it. <laughs> but surely it would have to sing your papers for you. It would be like, it would be a, a musical version. If it was a musical version, which would probably make them much more entertaining. <laughs> I've got a suggestion here from, uh, from some of our people on Twitter. So our friends at the Science Museum, Punk Science, have said, um, liver swaps. So I'm a teetotaler and everybody is after me suddenly. It's really weird. Yes, a teetotal Irishman. I'm like the designated driver for an entire island. It's pretty weird. <laughs> Anybody else grab anything? I've got one here um, from uh, Eva. Eva? Is there an Eva or an Eva here? Oh, Eva, would you up. mind being on our podcast? Live longer so you can experience more. So this lady has got something in common with you, Andrew. She wants I to defeat you. I am totally aging. behind this suggestion. I, I have to say, though, although, Andrew, you are an, an older person than this question asker. This question that was asker incredibly has, polite. Has a, has a, <laughs> oh, no, that was very rude. Sorry, but, but um, you, you have your whole life ahead of you, and yet already 
you you want to experience more out of life i think that's incredible how exciting is life that you want to you just say i've had uh, i've had half a dozen years so far and they've been amazing i'd quite like a lot more of them have you looked at andrew and you don't want to grow up to be that old is that part of it <laughs> <laughs> no? so how old do you want to live ever I kind of go indefinitely, personally. She meant people living longer so they could learn. They could have time to learn from their mistakes. When she, that's Ooh. what she meant. Oh, well, wow. in that case, there's, there's a different answer here. Just make more mistakes faster. So my co- a colleague of mine had this, was, has had this same idea, but again, going back to just getting computers to solve your problem. I mean, there is research going on to basically digitally download your brain. So rather than just, I mean, if, if the uh, brain, the body preservation things don't work, you can just preserve your brain and then maybe upload it to somebody else or just stay on the internet or something and you, you can keep working through problems. I'm not sure of this working through problems thing because I, I, I have a great deal of faith in our kind of infinite stupidity. Um, I, I've made so many mistakes that I will never, ever learn from. <laughs> like, is that, you know, maybe I take solace, really that's part of being human, that we are fallible. I don't know if I ever want to reach perfection. I don't know if I want to get better. That ruins the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> it does a bit. Maybe it's because I'm old and stuck in my ways and I just want everyone else to change now instead. But you could be disease-free and fallible. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah, I'll give That'd you that. Right. And beautiful. And beautiful, of course. You, you but you're, uh, Simon already is very beautiful. You say all the right things and bearing in mind they can't see me, that does help. Um, I, have to, I have to say this, actually, because every single panel we've had, ageing is something that's come up again and again, and I'm always surprised by how many people in our audience don't want to live forever. Mm. So buy a whip. Whip now if you want to die. <laughs> whip now if you want to get Alzheimer's disease. Wow. Now, this is the fundamental problem, because people think you can age and die without having all these horrible diseases, but if you opt out of Alzheimer's, you opt out of cancer, as a horrible side effect, you are going to live longer. A horrible side effect. That's a lovely way of phrasing it. So what do you think then, Helen? Is that on the list? Uh, Well, despite what um, Andrew just said there, I mean, there is an upside and a downside to this. Yes, living longer is fantastic because you can experience more, you can spend more time with the people you love, doing the things you love, um, but there is a chance that the longer you live, the opportunity for bad experiences will increase. So it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off, and um, uh, I think I think you should uh, take this one. Live longer so that you can experience more, but uh, I think you need to have a, a, have a limit, have a choice. Actually, maybe that's it. Actually, fundamentally, that's the thing I see of aging, is that I've, I've often said this, and I've often thought this, that I would rather die by my own hand than anything else. You know, I'd rather live forever and opt out than anything else. Surely ageing is actually, if we could live forever, a question of liberty rather than anything else. It's a whole different ethical kettle of fish. You're deep, Eva. You're deep, yeah. man. Thank you. So young, so perceptive. Great question. We have got one other uh, suggestion from Triploid Tree on Twitter. She's texted in, um, Teflon fingers that are heat resistant, easy clean and good for turning rashers. But you can't pick anything up. Just slide <laughs> straight out of your grip in that's a matter of milliseconds. That's an incredible downside. Okay, well, that's suggestions from our panel. I'm going to give you one final suggestion, everyone, though. This time we're going to take inspiration from nature. So I've been trolling the genes of the world and the animal planet, 
We've come up with this creature. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a planarian. My planarians are pretty incredible. Can you describe it to the people at home, Helen? What does it look like? It looks like a curved blob of jelly in the shape of a malformed croissant. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, it turns out, according to research, some people think that you can theoretically cut a planarian into 279 pieces, and you'll get 279 planarians. So it's buy one, get 278 free. Awesome. It's not quite as simple as that, but about 20% of their body is stem cells. So if you're looking for defeating aging, Andrew, this might be a species to start with. I think one of the problems with that is that presumably only one piece is the brain, if, if even that. And so I, when I age and when I survived this long lifespan, I want to remember the rest of it. Because as the young lady said, I want to I hang on to these experiences. I suppose you also don't want to clip your toenails and have a whole new Andrew. <laughs> when you say don't want to, can you sort of expand on that? <laughs> <laughs> your girlfriend probably doesn't want to live with a whole new Andrew as well as you. Uh, yeah, no, that's probably true. Though if he had gorgeous blue eyes and hairless skin, who knows? But if it didn't have a brain. <laughs> I should also uh, point out that you have a beard, and that's fairly optional. Like, that's, a, that's something that can be removed. I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the immune therapy. I just hate shaving. Well, uh, what about that, Helen? Um, I, I have to agree with you. I think um, be, the ability to create 279 of yourself by chopping yourself into little bits and pieces is, is not something that the human race needs or indeed wants i'm Can gonna i'm gonna chuck that one out i don't know i really do want at least 10 of me so like one to be you know one to be the parent and then another 10 to do all the things that i'm supposed to be doing at work right now <laughs> God, parenthood sounds easy <laughs> okay then helen you've only got one of these suggestions that we could take forward there has been emma's social cue amazing sunglasses uh, modified with your own particular slant to mean that... What was your own particular slant? To mean that we don't ever have to bother with yeah. any affront? All subtleties of social cues are deleted for everyone, so everyone has to say what they think and uh, be upfront about everything. So either everybody is polite or nobody is polite. Uh, we've had Andrew's idea of using the immune system to not just combat disease, um, but his beard... Uh, we've also had the idea of living longer for longer, ex more experiences, um, and the suggestion of a liver swap. I think that's all the ones that were going ahead. What do you fancy? I feel like the one that has the most uh, potential to help me, as is my, uh, my particular preference today, evolution being full of selfish genes, I'm going to make a selfish decision, and I feel like it's got to be Andrew's immuno super duperness. Okay, Andrew, how yeah. do you feel about that? I feel great. I just wish we could get on with it faster. Okay. We should spend more on science. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Agreed. We should spend, actually, in hard times, double the research budget. We really should. So we're going to take that idea and we're going to add it to the yogurt of our genome, like the fruit corner of science. We'd love to thank our amazing audience here at Imperial Festival and our panel here. We've had Emma Robinson, Andrew Steele, and Helen Arney. I've been Simon Watcher, your host. Listen in next time. Hope you've enjoyed Level Up Human. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.